Well, good morning to Harry Pone-Tant, who has already done an interview for our podcast. But Harry has many, many interests, and I found that he posts a lot to a Facebook group site called Old Burma. So those of you who are interested in... Old Burma Hands. Old Burma Hands. Yeah. So those of you who are interested in finding that site, uh, you might see some very interesting things there. This morning, Harry's going to talk to us about what it was like to own a car in Myanmar in the 60s and 70s. Over to you, Harry, to start. Okay, thank you, everybody, for listening to this podcast. Actually, uh, the page name is Old Burma Hand, and it's been a set up by one of my German friends, Mr. Axel Bruns. So anyhow, as uh, Peter said, I will talking to you today about how the car owners during the socialist period had to struggle. First of all, before buying a car, you need to check the where your designated petrol station is. Because here, people will wonder, why do you need to check that? Because in our country, people tend to run away from the taxman. They try to avoid taxes. So if you go and change your registration into your own name, you have to pay taxes. So, normally, during those times, people do not change the owner's name in the registration. But every year, when a new registration is due, they pay the old owners some money so that he writes down a, what you call a power of attorney he signs his power attorney and says that Mr. Pongdan is empowered to act on my behalf to renew the registration, blah, blah, blah. See, that's why you first need to check where your designated petrol station is. So people might wonder, why do you need to check that? Okay, so to continue, while you bought a car, you have uh, agreement from the old owners that he will still retain the uh, name, he will still retain the name on the new, uh, I mean, in the registration, and will consent to give me the power Antonio whenever I go to renew the annual registration. But if you want to change the registration into your own name, what you need to do is, you have to go to the RTA, change the ownership title, and then go to the uh, Petroleum Products Sales Corporation. That is, they are in charge of all this distribution of petrol and all the Indian oil, everything. And you go to this uh, 
we call it TPSC, and get a new Petro-Russian book. And with this new Petro-Russian book, you go to the uh, nearest patrol station and then get it registered there. Otherwise, you won't get your quota of patrol. So, Harry, was, the, Harry was there any point in changing the registration into your own name or did most people just leave it in the name of the original owner? Well, there's no big difference, just a legal point of view. Because if some accident happens, you know, you have to go back to the original owner, get his consent to sign this, sign that, and the compensation goes into his bank account. <laughs> the new owner won't get anything. <laughs> so, but anyhow, many prefer not to change the title. They just leave it like that. Because the insurance you get from any accident is just so little, just around about 1,000, 2,000, just not even 1% of the total particular repair cost. So we just leave it like that. But sometimes I do change the title into my own name. Because I said, you change your name, go to this uh, head office of the Petroleum Product Sales Office, Sales Corporation, and then to the uh, petrol station, get your name on this uh, ledger to get your quota. So I get two gallons a day, but at one filling, you can get uh, three days quota, that is six gallons, six gallons per, per filling, every three days. So on the filling up day, what I had to do was that I had to get up early, around about 2 a.m. In, in the morning, go to this uh, petrol station and put my car in a queue. But there are already many cars in front of me because some owners they will leave their car in the, in the queue after the pumps had closed at 6 p.m. in the evening and hire some person, a guardsman, to look after the cars and go back home. And before 6 a.m. in the morning, before the pump opens, they'll come back. So what I usually do is, I will get up at around about two o'clock, take my car and go line up in the queue. I had to take along the uh, blankets, mosquito net, pillows, <laughs> and snooze in the car. Are you talking and about this like, are there hundreds of uh, people waiting at each petrol station or is it like? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the petrol station opens at 6 in the morning until 6 in the evening. So it's busy the whole day. When the petrol tank pumps open, the car slowly inches forward. My place in the queue usually is about 40 or 50 cars back 
Goodness Probably. gracious. Yeah, body of 50 class bed. It takes about uh, one one and a half hours to get to the pump. Slowly, slowly. But we have to pray that the pump will not break down before my turn comes up. Otherwise, your quota for that day is gone forever. Oh. There's no compensation. There's no so, compensation. They won't give you another another two two gallons for that lost day. So if you don't get your allowance on the day that you're entitled to it, that's it. That's it. That's it. You get sixty gallons per month. So whether the pump breaks down or not is sixty gallons. Okay. So if I get to the pump by around seven thirty, I'll be in time to go to the office. Otherwise, I'll be late. And then for this the brake fluids and or engine oil, they announce on the uh, blackboard in front of the petrol stations that on such and such day, please come and uh, put your booklets, these uh, Russian books, in a pile. So you go and put your book on the in the pile. And you have to listen for it attentively. Well, many people there in front, milling around, milling around. You hear your name called, you go and pay and get this recorded in your book. If you miss, if you miss your call, the book goes back to the bottom. And was there corruption to pay to get your book at the top of the pile? Well, there is no corruption, but it's such a hassle, you know. Right. You don't know where you will be called. You can't go anywhere. You can't go to the toilet. You can't go to the tea shop. <laughs> you have to be, listen attentively. You listen attentively for your name to be called. Same with the uh, brake fluids. So what happened was that there appeared like mushrooms, a lot of these friendly neighborhood sellers that sell this uh, brake fluids and Indian oil. You want uh, and petrol also, petrol also. You can get there any amount, either in small bottles or in drums. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and drums. So that's the blue fruit and the uh, engine wire. For tires and batteries, you can buy a new set of tire. New set, I mean only two tires, not four, only two. <laughs> every two, two years, every two years. And you have to go to this steel center. It used to be, uh, before nationalization in 1962, it used to be a privately owned car showroom. Anyhow, it was transformed into a sales center under this uh, uh, trade corporation number 12, I think, machinery and vehicles. So you go to this sales center and buy an application. You don't get it fully, you have to buy it. I think around about 10 or 20, just not much. Anyhow, you have to buy it. 
fill it, fill it up and give it to the tire repairer who has set up shop in the uh, near in the uh, what you call beside in the in the house beside this sales center unless you give your application to this tire repairer he's a private person he's a private person the manager at the sales center would not approve your application and you have to go to this tire repairer this puncture repairer who repairs your puncture tires some money for him also to put your application to the manager for approval unless your application comes to this tire repairer this puncture repairer the manager would not consider your application the same with batteries at the time we use what called i don't know how what it is called but you know where where you put in this acid and uh, distilled water correct we call it a wet type we call it a wet type not the dry type like we used today so there was also one very popular battery repair shop you can uh, change your old batteries your run down batteries with a new one for a small nominal charge a small nominal charge and then if your car your batteries run down and cannot start your car you just go to your neighborhood battery repair shop and they will come with a spare battery and jump start your car but not replace it hmm? but not replace ah. it it's uh gets the thing going gets the thing going and then uh if there's a what you call leakage between the petrol gas pipe and the carburetor what you do is you take a piece of soap and put it around this uh, what is uh, all you call this leak slick the joint the joint the soap will harden and the leak is stopped ingenuity ingenious ingenuity yeah <laughs> and then if there's a leak in your radiator you just grab a handful of this uh, what you call turmeric powder throw it in the radiator and the leak will be plucked i wonder who finds so out I mean, these solutions of course temporary of course a temporary measure temporary way <laughs> you see in our workshops the mechanics at our shop we don't have any kind of uh, what do you call training trained mechanics when they are making trained mechanics but musa and trained he just learned by practical sure you call uh, experience practical experience from the uh, mentors or the or the owner of the the, the chief mechanic harry i think you, so uh, you uh, harry i think you also again uh, mentioned that 
you didn't actually need your six gallons a week, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't normally exhaust use up my six gallons my quota because my only commute was from the office to the office and some family time during the weekends. So I will siphon off the excess before I go to the pump for my new quota. Siphon off the excess and sell it to the roadside gas sellers. What I do is I put a flexible plastic hose down to the to the gas tank and then siphon off. While you siphon off, you have to suck it with your mouth. Yeah. Uh, it needs experience. Sometimes you will swallow a mouthful and you are antiseptic. It kills the germs in your stomach. <laughs> and I sell this uh, to the neighborhood gas seller and get extra money to supplement my salary. So regarding the new set of tires, if your tires are run down, you go to this uh, tire dealers at Sanjiao Township. A lot of tire dealers, they deal in old and uh, reuse or recycle tires. You go to them and try to find some uh, good quality, I mean, uh, better quality, like some 25% of the old thread left. No? <laughs> Not much. Well, it's better than your old tires where there's no thread at all. <laughs> or you, if you're lucky, you get a completely new, brand new tires. Because the government uh, vehicles, they get issued, I think, new tires um, every two or three, three years. So what the drivers will do is they will come and change their new government-issued tires with the older ones from the dealers. So if you are uh, lucky, you find this completely brand new tires, but it costs a little bit more, of course. In fact, so, Harry, that's one thing I'd be interested to know. Were cars very expensive to buy? Well, when I just first got my uh, license, driving license, it was in 1963. I had a Austin A40 Devon. It cost seven thousand chats. Which was how much roughly in dollars? Did that die seven thousand dollars? Later I sold it and bought a Hillman. I think around nineteen seventy or nineteen seventy one. After I came back from Russia. I bought it for ten thousand chats. Then slowly, slowly the car prices went up. And then I changed it for a master estate wagon. A master estate wagon produced in, Yang, in Myanmar, produced in Myanmar. Wow. By the heavy industries, by the heavy industries uh, factories. And it cost around about 
30,000. Right, because it was six chats to the dollar at that time, right? It was six chats to the dollar at that time, yes. Which was not the real value. It was, that was the uh, official well, it rate. It was the rate determined by the World Bank. It was the rate of the World Bank, six chats to a dollar. So that's quite and, a lot of money, uh, Harry. That's quite a lot of money relative to your salary. A lot of money. It's six, seven thousand judges. No joke, because I get only two hundred and fifty judge salary a month. No, I know. And then you know, four hundred fifty judges a month, and I have uh, my old mother, my wife, two children, and a maid. Very difficult. <laughs> Well, hard, hard. And then around about uh, 1975, I think, I changed it into a Japanese second-hand import, a Nissan, already about uh, 100,000, I think, or I think it was 200,000 jets. So they are right-hand, they are right-hand drive cars, the right ones from Japan. Side, yeah. Right so that leads to around that time, was that when they you switched sides of the road? Yeah, I forgot to mention that. In 1975, the government switched the driving pattern. Driving pattern. Previously, we were driving on the left, and the steering wheels were on the right. So is that. He said, it's okay. But our wise leaders, I don't know what is the reason, they decided to change the driving system into a right-hand drive. Well, what they told us was that it was to be in line with other countries of the world, blah, blah, blah. You know, I do not know. But very strange that our nearest neighbor, Thailand, is still on the left. And the cars were importing, the second-hand cars were importing from Japan. They had steering on the right. So when you drive on the right <laughs> and the steering is on the right, you need somebody on the passenger seat on the left to see where the lane is clear for you to overtake. The only country in the world where you need a navigator to drive a car. Even to this day, Harry, there are left-hand and right-hand drive cars. Yeah, yeah. Because most of the cars that we import are from Japan, used cars from Japan. We cannot afford the, uh, what you call the left-hand steering cars from US or some other countries. It's so expensive. But the used cars of Japan are really inexpensive and affordable. And it makes a lot of profit, big marginal profit for the importers. So as I was telling you, I started this uh, travel agency business. And our clients were always amazed why the guide would sit on the left in the front row, in the front passenger seat, and instruct the driver to overtake, to slow down. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was just uh, riding 
yesterday to someone a friend that we had to at the end those days when we started our tourism business there were only two privately owned airlines in nyamma the government run nyamma uh, nyamma airways and a private uh, jv joint venture airline called amp mandalay amp mandalay and they had regular scheduled flights only to the major tourist uh, destinations akan mandalay eho you know so mostly our itineraries were by car by road so our cars always carried this extra gas on top of the roofs or inside the boot and when the uh, tourists went back to their home country they always complained to the travel agents that it's so dangerous to travel with uh, this petrol cans on top of the car and they were demanding compensation oh goodness insurance back so we had to explain to this uh, travel agents our friends abroad that this is the custom yeah in our country because a rango registered car cannot fill up in the other towns <laughs> <laughs> so it's a crazy crazy world it it's was a crazy crazy world so harry thank you very much for that very clear description of what it was like to own a car back in the 60s and 70s and i look forward to talking to you again on one of your other pet subjects like what it was like to go to the movies so thank you very much for that harry i look forward to thank talking you, again soon you. thank you thank you peter for the opportunity